Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Today we're going to look at the lies concerning God's gift of sex. And here's what's interesting to me, because I watch commercials, and these things are written, and, and they're produced by marketing experts. And you just watch those commercials and just notice how many commercials are husband, wife, and kids. And you look at the G-rated movies that are jammed because they're jammed with families and they make money for their producers. And so marketing experts know family sells. And I realize there's a number of commercials that use sex to sell something to, but there are plenty of family-oriented commercials. I just think of the Swiffer commercial, you know, it's a courtroom scene, the lady's sitting in the witness chair, and she accuses the defendant of not doing its job, you know? And who's the defendant, a broom or a mop? Remember that thing? You are not doing your job, you know? And you got this sad-looking broom or sad-looking mop, you know? And what does that mean? And this is anti-culture, man. Moms, clean floor. How come they didn't have a dad? accusing the mop. Moms clean floors, you know. Moms are primarily related to home and family, right? And, and, and it sells, thankfully, because much of this family still has family values. And yet, movie makers, TV producers insist on making uh, much of what's available to watch sexually explicit in the name of freedom of speech. You know what that tells me? Because Family stuff really sells, and they still go ahead and make all this sexually explicit stuff for TV and movies and so on. It tells me that devils are fallen angels. Emissaries of Satan are behind all this. They're doing everything they can, using every means possible in the media to make people believe the lie. And this is the lie you want to deal with today, that to pursue pleasure is the highest pursuit. And the highest form of pleasure is what? Sexual gratification. And so um, Satan tries to lay these lies on us, that number one, the highest pursuit is the pursuit of pleasure. And what does that say about eternal life? It says, you know, this is, you get it all now because this is where it is, see? And the, and, and, and the lie that um, of these pleasure pursuits, sex is the greatest of those. I see a, a big lie in 1 Corinthians 6 that is so today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and this is verse 13, the Apostle Paul is quoting a proverb of his culture. This is something you would quote, like, hey, dude, or something like that. You know, it's just, um, Paul writes this. He's quoting what people are saying in verse 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 6. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And then Paul adds, but God will destroy them both. The body is not, I have that word not circled, meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So what the Apostle Paul is doing, and remember, this is Holy Spirit-inspired stuff. He's quoting a popular proverb of the day that says, just like the food is for the body, so the body is for sex and sex for the body. So what's he saying? He's saying sex is just, to those people in the Corinthian church, sex is just a biological need. It's like eating. It's just like eating. It's just another biological need like eating. And so when you're hungry, you can go home and eat. You can stop at Subway and grab something on the run. You can go out to dinner on a date. You can pack picnic lunch. Or you can watch Man vs. Wild, which I understand is not on anymore, on the Discovery Channel. And so when you're stuck in a desert, you can eat a tarantula or, or a black widow spider because they're high in proteins. But you just eat when you're hungry, see? And the thinking in the Corinthian church was sex is just like that. 
Sex is no more than a biological need. You feel the urge, just like hunger, satisfy that need. Go to a restaurant, go on a picnic, eat a spider. And if you're a man or a woman and you got that um, Jose Feliciano, and I know that's going way back, but that Jose Feliciano kind of thinking, come on, baby, light my fire, then um, wherever you are, whoever you're with, and you get that biological urge, it doesn't matter wherever you are, wherever you, whoever you're with, just satisfy that need. It's just like grabbing a cold piece of pizza from the refrigerator when you're hungry, and how demeaning that is, how awful demeaning that is to something so sacred and so precious God gives us. But I ask, what's changed? The younger generation and lots of others are being programmed to believe that, and I realize there's older people, single people here today, and this may not relate, I understand that, but you, you have people that you influence, you have younger people in your life that you can influence, with this word of God. I want to apply this, this whole series of lies to the family. I mean, Satan wants to use the gender lies, the marriage lies, and these sex lies to bring down the family. I'll give you an illustration. I heard this on the radio last week from a guy I listened to every day on 1500 AM. They told the story of Tom and Kate, high school sweethearts married 16 years. And Tom had a very successful insurance business, and he was in his mid-40s. And um, still, still a really good looking guy, but his hair was thinning, you know, getting a little paunchy down here. And his wife, Kate, was also 45, but she looked 30 or maybe 25. And she worked out, she washed her diet. I mean, she was really a, a good looking lady. And she washed her diet, she had her hair and nails and everything like that done every week. And so Tom and Kate and their two daughters bought a, they bought a, um, what did they buy? <laughs> they bought a home in a resort community. And the resort community had lake access, it had, um, a great pool, a great pool and all the amenities. And so the association hired a new lifeguard. His name was Sean, he was 29 years old. And Kate and the two girls would spend their summers there. And Tom would go up on the weekends and one Friday night, Tom got up to this resort home and, and he's standing out in his back deck, it's about midnight. And he's looking down on this lighted pool and he sees his wife and he sees this new lifeguard kind of close. And of course, you know, Kate, Kate made excuses, I mean, um, she had an explanation. He's new. I'm just helping him clean up the pool. Well, at that close range, at midnight and so on and so forth. Folks, there's always rationalizations. People will always try and justify it. They will say, he neglects me. I still keep myself looking good, and he or she doesn't. He's so busy. He doesn't take time for me. And you can figure out the rest. One incident led to another, and down went that marriage and that family. And you have to look at how many lives are affected by this particular sin. Grandparents, cousins, close friends. I mean, it is so sad. I mean, I, I, it, it breaks my heart to see that. And it's, um, it's contrary to everything we saw in God's Word a couple of weeks ago when we talked about commitment in marriage, but it happens. And so there's a lot we need to look at about the sex lies, and there's time for just so much. But in this series, I always want to begin by looking at the character of God. I want to look at the character of Christ himself. I want to look at Jesus' purity and his high view of women, his high view of the opposite sex. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus Christ is dining in a Pharisee's home. And a woman burst in, a woman of the street, she burst in on the meal, and she's sobbing, and she just pours a very expensive perfume over his feet. In verse 38, we read, and as, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Then you jump over to verse 47. Jesus says to this woman, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. I like that. But he who has been forgiven little, loved little. And so this woman, grieved over what most commentators believe are sexual sins, just burst into that room and anointed Jesus' feet. And in verse 47, Jesus says, Her many sins have been forgiven because she loved much. And I read that passage, your many sins have been forgiven because you love much. And you know what that tells me? This lady was vulnerable. 
And I'm probably reading something into this word of God, but, like, but this is a likely possibility. I mean, guys told her, oh, how beautiful you are, you know, and how much they loved her just to gratify themselves. And they used her. She was vulnerable. And this lady felt very guilty. And she burst into that room for a reason, because she knew that Jesus was God. And she knew that he could pronounce forgiveness. And coming out of his lips, it would mean something. And she wanted to hear this right from his lips. And the deal is this, Jesus saw more than her body. I mean, he saw her heart. He saw what he, which she could become. He saw, the, he saw the whole person she was created to be. The point is that Jesus' mind was pure. His heart was pure. He had a very high view of women. And most of you people know the story in John chapter 8. The Pharisees are trying to trap, trap Jesus in his words. And so they bring this woman caught in the act of adultery. And she was probably set up by the Pharisees. And they just drag her out of this adultery bed. And, and you know, maybe she doesn't have time to grow. I'm sure she has time to grab a robe. And they drag her through the streets and they throw her in front of Jesus. And they say to Jesus, and I'm making this long story short, what should we do with this woman? Should we stone her to death? As the law says, or should we have compassion on her as you say? And after scribbling in the sand a little bit, Jesus stood up and said, Okay, folks, and here is such wisdom. This is such wisdom. Man, this is good. He said, Okay, folks. Looks them all in the eye. Okay, folks. Let, let, let the one without sin cast the first stone. And they all leave one by one. And Jesus says, Where are all your accusers? And the woman says, They're gone, Lord. And then in John 8, verse, verse 11, I believe it is, um, this is such a precious verse to me. He says, Neither do I condemn you. He said, where are all those who condemn you? And she said, they're gone, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. He didn't condemn her, and he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't accept her sin either. But he didn't condemn her. Why? Because he saw more than just a body in this lady. He saw a person. He saw a person he had created with a personality, a soul, hope, dreams, ideals, potential. That's what he saw. The same deal in John 4. I mean, the Samaritan woman comes to draw water from a well. And the Samaritan woman comes at noon, the hottest time of the day. Why'd she come at noon? Because she came at the early time of the day, you know, 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. When all the other women came to draw water, they would look down upon her. She was kind of the town bad girl. And they would look down upon her because she was married and divorced five times. And the guy she was living with now is not her husband. And John 4 is all about seeking this woman. Jesus alone, I mean, he said, this was a setup. Jesus sent his disciples away to buy food because he knew this lady was coming. He sits there at the well waiting for her and she comes. I mean, John 4 is all about Jesus ministering to this woman who was married and divorced five times, living with the guy, Wanting, et wanting eternal life for her and offering her, her, offering her living water. And they were alone at the well for a time. And my guess is she had to be kind of attractive. I don't know that, but, but also kind of vulnerable. And after this conversation with Jesus, she went into her village and she started telling anybody she could, I found who I think is the Messiah, the Savior. He told me everything. He told me everything about myself. And how could he know all that stuff? I think I found the Messiah. And the people listened to her and they came out to Jesus in droves. And Jesus did not see, he didn't see that, that just that woman's body again. But he saw her soul, all that she was, her potential. And how many people came to believe in Jesus because of that lady's testimony? Let me just read you John um, 4, verse 42. And they said to the woman, all these people who came to Jesus, we no longer believe because of what you said. 
or because of your testimony. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. I mean, he was out for that lady's eternal life. See, and that speaks to us, men and women alike. Our Lord came into the world to save sinners from spending forever in hell. But he also came to give his children, his beloved, an example and show us how to live. And Jesus preached it and lived it. And he lived this. Men have a, have a high view, a high Christ-like view of women. And women have a high Christ-like view of men. When you see them as just a body, that's the low road, that's the low view. God created us body and soul, and your soul means your intellect, your emotions, your will. And when you see somebody who kind of turns you on that you're attracted to, just tell yourself. you got to tell yourself, man, they have a spirit. They have a spiritual element that's part of the very image of God. And you've got to look at their potential like Jesus did. And when you do that kind of stuff, I'll tell you what, you're going to send devils flying. I mean, devils want your mind in all the wrong stuff. They want you to see just a body. They don't want you to see the whole person and immediate gratification for yourself. That, that's what they want you to see. And I'll tell you what, I am grateful that there were preachers in my past when I was younger who were kind enough and bold enough to say stuff like that because I listened to them and I started practicing that. When you see a man or a woman that attracts you, you need to think. And this is a discipline. This is a discipline. God created that person. God has great plans for this person. He gave him or her a mind and hopes and dreams and potential. And all that lies beneath just a body. He wants that person in heaven. He commanded us to go preach the gospel to all those people so they can be with him forever. He put special talents in that person to bless people and glorify him. And to think like that, to think like that, when all you want to think is the wrong thoughts, or all the devil wants you to think is the wrong thoughts, but to think like that and see this person as God sees them, that is a discipline. And you've got to practice that and practice that and practice that. But you ask the Father in heaven, you say, you say, Father, by your Holy Spirit, help me to think like you. You pray, help me to see this person. Help me to see these people as you see them, as your son sees them. Listen, if we're going to defeat devils who want us to think pleasure is the ultimate experience and, or the ultimate pursuit, and the ultimate pleasure is sex, then you have to see sex as God sees it. We've got to see sex as God sees sex. Back to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Remember in verse 13, Paul said this, Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant. The body is not, not, boy, get that. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. The proverb was just as food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, so sex is for the body and the body for sex. And, and the Word of God turns that upside down. Here's what the Word of God says. Your body is made for the Lord. We're looking at God's view of sex. Your body is made for the Lord. I mean, that God wrote that. I didn't. Your body is made for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your body is made to serve and glorify God, and He's given you a body to fulfill that purpose. But it also says the body is made for the Lord. What's that mean? It means one day the Father in Heaven is going to raise that body that's been made holy by trusting in Christ to spend an eternity with Him that defies description. I mean, we will be body, soul, and spirit in Heaven and spend forever with Jesus Christ in indescribable delight. Because the Lord is also made for the body. But here is the big deal. You have to understand 
that your body is made for the Lord and the Lord is made for your body. You've got to think that, folks. You've got to understand that. Uh, because your understanding of God's will for your body and for the passions he gives you, your passions are a gift of God, folks. He, put, he created us with passions, with sexual passions. It's all a gift of God. And you have to understand God's will. When you know and understand God's will for your body and your passions, um, that's going to fuel and feed how you live. And I just want to read 1 Corinthians um, 6, beginning in verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. That's good. Never. Uh, do, do, do you know that, that he, he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it said the two shall become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with the Lord in spirit. Now this doesn't mean that if you had a sexual affair, it's as if you're married to that person. That's not what it means. This means this is the Holy Spirit's way. God's way of saying that sex is so sacred and sex is so intimate, it is a precious gift of God. Let's think about the purpose of God creating us as sexual beings and giving us passions and desires, creating us like that. And he did it to promote intimacy in marriage. God gave us these passions and desires and he made us sexual beings to promote intimacy in marriage. Now, obviously, there's another reason for making us sexual beings, and that's the very practical reason of procreation or having children. That's another, that, that's another sermon. That's another message. But the gift of sake, but, but the, I want to tell you, the gift of sex is sacred. It is exclusive. I mean, I'm just reflecting the Word of God. And that intimate bond between a man and a woman is God-blessed. It is God-ordained. And it is exclusive. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, he said, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. So I read that and I wonder why did Jesus give this exception? Why did he say except for marital unfaithfulness? And I believe one reason is this, because that sexual relationship between a husband and wife is so exclusive. That is such a sacred bond. It is such a sacred bond that's violated. And that bond is violated when someone else knows your spouse that way. I mean, you can go to work all day, guys and ladies, and, and, and you work with someone six, eight, ten hours a day. And obviously, they're going to know you. They're going to know you well. They're going to know everything about you. And they're going to know some areas of your life better than your own husband or wife. But they will not know that. They will not know that. That intimacy belongs to two people in marriage exclusively. And I've seen men and women broken, and I really mean broken. Broken in this respect. You know, marriage is one flesh. Like they were no longer one flesh because of that violation. They were two. You drop a plate, and let's say it breaks in two pieces, and that plate had a pattern on it. It was whole. And then now it's two pieces. It's not whole anymore. The whole thing is disunited. That's exactly what happens when adultery is committed, when that exclusive, exclusive bond is violated. That one flesh concept is, is, is just, it just, it just, it just goes down the drain. But here's the neat thing. i got to say this. The neat thing is this. Jesus is God, and he didn't stay detached in heaven. He came into this world, and he lived life, and he knew the human heart, and he understands Jesus Christ really, and this is so precious, he really understands what it's like because he lived life on this earth. 
what it's like when you're violated like that. And he allows for divorce, Matthew 19, 9, for that reason. But, I've got to add this, this but, it's such an important but, he would much rather have you do one of the toughest things you ever had to do, and that's forgive adultery committed against you. And he will give you the grace because there's a pride issue there. And he'll give you the grace to deal with your pride and, and, and do that very thing. And that is a process, to forgive something like that and work through an adulterous relationship like that. I mean, after an adulterous relationship, I mean, I mean that, that, that's, that's a process. So sex is exclusive to your husband or wife. And sex outside the bonds of marriage is sin. And some sins hurt more than others, and adultery is one of those sins. I just think of these three ladies we talked about. I mean, the woman who just came in and burst on that house and anointed Jesus' feet in, John, in Luke 7, or the lady in John 8, they just threw her at Jesus' feet, and he said, neither do I condemn you. Or the Samaritan woman in John 4, married and divorced five times. They felt used. I mean, they felt used. Used to satisfy somebody's hormonal urge. And maybe they said, there's more to me than that. And this works both ways. I'm not only talking to men. In this feministic culture, women have casual sex to satisfy a biological need. And there's a bunch of guys who say, you know, there's more to me than that. I want something more than that. Folks, in this culture, devils have people believing, especially young people, that life is all about self-gratification and sex is the ultimate experience. And we have to know and we have to stand by this and this is God's word, man. This is God's word that it is exclusive. Sex is exclusive to marriage. Any, any sexual experience outside that sacred union is sin and not God-blessed. Any sexual experience, any outside the bounds of marriage is, is, is sin. It is not God-blessed. And that includes everything that leads up to the act of sex, what we used to call petting or necking. I don't know what they call it today. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27, and most of you know this, he said, you've heard that the act of adultery is sin, but I say unto you, and he's interpreting the, he's interpreting the law here, he says, I say unto you, and this is Jesus, these are Jesus' words, whoever even looks, who looks at a man or a woman lustfully, has already committed adultery in his heart. Now see, here's what devils want you to think. Devils want you to think that kind of attitude about sex that is exclusive for the married relationship alone. Devils want you to think, come on, that is so ancient. So let's look at God's word. I look at 1 Corinthians 7 and Paul's writing about the gift of being unmarried. And here's what he says, if you don't have the gift, he calls it the gift, the ability to be unmarried. And he says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and he says in verse 9, but if they cannot control themselves, meaning sexually, control their passions, if they have the desire to be married, you know, they should marry. He didn't say go out and find a woman, did he? Or go out and find a man. He said, if they can't control themselves, sex is not like food. It's not a biological urge that you need to satisfy food. He said, if it's, he said, if they can't control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. He said, you've got two choices. You either burn with passion or you marry. That's it. Now, here's the whole point. The whole point is, this. I mean, Scripture stands behind this whole deal that sex is only for marriage. I mean, this is right out of the Bible. So don't call me ancient or old-fashioned, see? I mean, the whole point is that, is that we know this. 
And we go out and live this and tell this to other people kindly, but know in your own heart from the beginning of God's word to the end, sex is an exclusive right of married people to make their marriage intimate and exciting. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, but go and leave your life of sin. Now, you know what that meant when he said that? He said, you can change. You can change. You can, by the power of his spirit. He never condemned the lady in John 4 who had been married and divorced five times. He just brought up the issue and left it. He never condemned her, but he offered, what he did offer her was living water. He sought her soul. He offered her eternal life. And so forgive yourself. Live within his will and go on with your life. Today, I just want to stand here and represent the word of God and give you release from all that guilt today. That's why Jesus came into the world. That's what the cross is all about. And please be committed to this. And this is the last comment. Be different. So many people believe these sexual lies. Tell yourself, I belong to Jesus Christ. I am committed to him. He gave everything to me, my life now and my life with him forever. And I want to be different. We have to be different. Tell yourself, I want to be committed to such a sexual purity as he is pure. I want to have the same high view of men and women as he did. I don't want to look at them as just objects, objects of pleasure to gratify myself. I want to live by his word. I want to live and know that, 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 that sex is sacred and exclusive, reserved for married people, entered into a, entered into by by a public ceremony where vows are, are publicly declared. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.